This episode of Beer and Bullshit is brought to you by Woodhouse Brewing Company, where they believe simplicity is a good thing. Try their lager, IPA, stout, and new raspberry sour, all available at the LCBO. It's time to grab that bull by the horns. It's Beer and Bullshit, the podcast coming at you. I'm coming in hot tonight because I'm excited we got a really good episode for you guys. I can tell that you're excited. We're just, I feel like we're vibing. We're really getting each other tonight. So I'm jacked up. And I know you're jacked up too. Uh, you already know my guest tonight. I say tonight, but you're going to be listening tomorrow morning. Uh, is Luke Bim Lafontaine, the man, the myth, the legend behind Godspeed in Toronto. If for some reason you're not aware of Bim's beers, get your head out of your ass. (laughs) Okay, I'll tone it down now. But seriously, you should know about Bim and his beer. Bim's been brewing beer for 30 years. Uh, You maybe first heard of him from Did Ciel in Montreal. He is, of course, now in Toronto. There was many, many uh, pit stops in between there. We get into it in our talk. Uh, But one of our takeaways from tonight that I need you to listen to closely to is that bim has beef with drake yes and i want to blow this up i want this trending okay drizzy owes money to bim and apparently a handful of other toronto breweries let's get this trending let's call out drake let's make this happen and get him to pay up i've seen the videos where drake's going around throwing money at people throw some money at the toronto brewers that you owe drizzy Okay? Start with Bim. Start with my man Bim. He's going to explain why you owe money. And then you're going to have the rabid beer and bullshiteites. Uh, not sure if that nickname is going to work. In case you missed last week's episode, I'm actively looking for a nickname for my rabid and growing fan base of beer and bullshit fanatics. Beer and bullshiteites. Beer and bullshit arenas. Uh, Nothing's really working for me. We need your help. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at BullshitBeer or uh, at BeerAndBullshit.ca slash contact. We're looking for names. We're going to run a poll. The winner may get something sweet. I don't know. And for all you rabid Chris Pellerin fans, a.k.a. the Pellheads, who tune into this show to hear Chris and are once again disappointed just to hear me, I'm sorry. Chris will be back. I promise. We have a listener email episode in the works coming up definitely before christmas but asap so if you have burning questions for us for me for chris about beer about life in general uh, about your relationship about uh, car maintenance uh, about ergonomics everything we can take it all okay we're ready to do that for you our fans uh get your questions in beerandbullshit.ca slash contact. Hit us up. We will answer your questions. Some of the questions. A handful, a small portion of the questions I get through the website that I like and know the answer to. We will answer those. Anyway, enough of this bullshit. Uh, You're here to listen to Bim. Here he is. I was trying to remember my first, like, this first time I, my first awareness of you but I guess I don't really know when your Montreal days ended and when you moved to Japan I know you were in Montreal for 12 years right uh yeah well actually Montreal since 1994 because I I went to university uh in Montreal so I studied kinesiology there so you know Montreal became my hometown in in 94 and uh I left in 2012 uh, to Japan yeah so Okay, so I'm not sure if I went to Montreal to see my brother for a couple of days, and I had a lot of plans to see a lot of the city, but I ended up at, at Did Ciel both days because I'm like I'm just going back here. <laughs> it was amazing. Well, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So is that where you got your start brewing? I think the 12 years is I knew you brewed there for 12 years, right? Uh. Yeah. Well. You know, I I was at UCL for 12 years, but uh, I didn't brew the whole time. You know, they, I wanted to be hired there to become, you know, to be a brewer. But uh, back in, that's in 2001, uh, early 2001. 
um, you know, it was still JF brewing there and, uh, he didn't, uh, I don't know, didn't see me want to uh, allow anybody in this brewery at that time yet. <laughs> so, uh, it took a while, you know, I, I started as a, as a waiter and I made, you know, I made my way up, up, up to being the head brewer. It took a little while, but, uh, you know, me and JF, we, I was on brewing before I started on brewing in 1991. Actually, it's, it's almost, it's going to be 30 years next year. Crazy. Um, yeah. So when I met JF in 1998, JF is one of the co-owner, brewmaster yeah. of UTL for people who doesn't know. Um, you know, I, I was on brewing and I, you know, when UTL opened in 98, I used to, I used to be a client there. I used to go like a couple of times a week at least. And, and we, I'd go and we'd talk about beer and I had questions about home brewing. So, and, um, so, you know, we made a connection back when they opened, actually, I was at the opening day. And, um, after that, I, I left for two years, uh, traveling around the world. And I told them when I'm going to, when I'm going to come back and I'm going to work for you guys and, uh, which I did. And so, you know, I reconnect with them and I was, uh, you know, a hardcore, uh, rock climber and GF was into rock climbing too. So, you know, we had like two passion, like common passion and, uh, and, you know, we, 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 uh, we became uh, good friends really fast and slowly he started accepting me in the brewery. So, <laughs> well, sounds like know, he was very was, uh, controlling about who he let into his, uh, well, I mean, you know, when, you know, it's, it's your baby, you know, and I, I know, uh, I know exactly how he feels. Right. <laughs> so, and, uh, yeah, so, yeah, you know, I was, uh, so I did everything at UCL, you know, I did the uh, waiter, I did the uh, manager, I did DJ, you know, brew bitch, uh, <laughs> brewer, head brewer, uh, you know, I've, yeah, I did it all. Nice. So. <laughs> what was the lineup like when you started and like, like, I feel like there's a bunch of brewery beers in that brewery lineup that people think of as like famous, but like how involved were you in crafting the lineup and what we know is like, like patient mortel, uh, the Rose de Hibiscus were those, those are the two that I always think of as. Yeah, no, this is, uh, it, it's, it's JF's recipes. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's not mine. Um, you know, obviously I brewed those beers, you know, too. And, you know, you always, you know, I always have a, you know, uh, an opinion or, you know, GF was very open to, you know, he, he, he's just like me, right? He wants to, he wants his beers to get better and better uh, every batch. And um, so, you know, I collaborate in a way, but it's not my, you know, the original recipe is not mine. It's, it's credit is all, is all JF. Yeah. So how did the japan experience come to be like how did you end up in japan well um so you know before i i start to have more responsibilities in the brewery at UCL. Uh, you know i was the uh <laughs> you know i was a common waiter you know wanting a lot of freedom and time off and uh, and i you know i was really into traveling so um i just decided to you know i, I want to go to to thailand for you know, for six months to a year, you know, I bought a open ticket for a year and I just went rock climbing in Thailand and uh, I was on the beach there for about six months and started meeting a bunch of Japanese coming on, on holidays there. And I started hanging out with a bunch of Japanese people and say, man, how cool these people are. And, and, you know, and I, they start, start teaching me Japanese and talk to me about Tokyo. And, and I say, you know what, man, I think I'm, I think I'm just going to go, you know, I, I, I feel this. So, so I, I went to Bangkok and uh, I bought a return ticket, Bangkok, Tokyo. I say, you know what, if this thing lasts a week, it lasts a week. I come back, I go back home and uh, I end up staying six months in Japan. And that was in 2003. So obviously what I do when I go in a new place, I, I check out beer it's and beer. What's, going, what's, go, what's going on. And then slowly I start to meet people of the industry and it just grew, grew. I fell in love with Japan, um, you know, mostly because of this Canadian guy. He's one of my good friends uh, now for 16 years. And uh, this Canadian guy living in a 200-year-old uh, silk farm in the mountains. And I end up staying at his house. 
for quite a few months and you know he grows silkworms and all that stuff as and, one uh, does i mean what else he, are you gonna do he, well you know he's he's, he's the guy he, he's the westerner uh kind of preserving the all the the Japanese kind of craft and, and old like uh, tradition is pretty, it's pretty amazing. He's, he's a genius. So he taught me how to do all these things and he was studying tea ceremony and, you know, and I said, okay, I mean, you know, uh, before going to Japan, I think I travel in about 45 countries and nothing ever hit me like Japan did. You know, I mm. just, it was an instant, like, I fell in love. I fell in love with the people and I said, okay, there's something here. So after six months, I went back home and, um, and I said, you know what, man, uh, someday I'm going to, when I'm ready, I'm going to move to Japan. And, uh, it, during those six months I played, I played bass in the Japanese band and I toured around Japan. That's pretty cool. No, that's also, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I met, um, the little village where I was living, I, there's a bunch of musicians and, and an artist and start jamming with people and say, Hey man, we need a bassist. And so I start touring with them. And, uh, so, you know, I said, what, what do I do to, you know, I go back home. Uh, you know, I really want to be a professional brewer, but I'm also a musician and, you know, I go back to Japan, but, you know, I was doing two, three gigs a week and, you know, can, making enough money to, barely survive i mean there's not a lot of difference being a brewer but <laughs> right. uh, you know so i had to make a choice so i decided you know what man i'm i work for one of the best breweries in the world uh for one of the best people in the world so i would be very stupid to uh to leave this place so i decided to stay but until 2012 there's not a single year that I didn't go to Japan. Really? So all, all my trips were directed to Japan. So, you know, my, my love grew and grew, you know, even more for it. And I met way more people from the industry and I met actually my future two partners. I became my partners, uh, my brewery in, uh, in Japan. Sorry, long answer. No, it's good. I don't have to do any talking. I love it. It's my favorite kind of interview. <laughs> but what was the, tell me what the beer scene was like in Japan. I mean, you were back and forth from 2003 to 2012. I have an idea of industrial loggers. Is that accurate? Yeah. Uh, industrial loggers, um, actually good ones. I mean, uh, I would say that I really enjoy, uh, you know, like uh, the big four there, uh, you know, Santori, Kirin, Sapporo, and uh, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Asahi? Uh, Asahi, yeah. Asahi, the biggest one, yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy them, especially uh, Suntory uh, Premium Malts. I think it's, it's my favorite. But, uh, but the craft beer was terrible. I mean, mm -hmm. there's, uh, there's, there, there's been a, a big boom in the, in the craft beer industry. Um, yeah, in the 90s, it went through to something like 250 breweries. After that, it dropped to about 100. And uh, slowly it made its way back up. Like right now, you know, it's probably the peak right now. But uh, yeah, back in the days, it was all German focused. So, you know, I remember the few, the few craft breweries I taste, like, um, you know, like a Ginga Kogen or Yokama Brewery. You know, it was all like Weizen's, Altbeer, uh, Pilsner. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was very, very German focused. Cause I think, um, a lot of, a lot of the, um, the craft brewers there, they were taught by German brewmasters. Uh, there's a few brewma German brewmaster that made a lot of money, I think in Japan, uh, consulting back in the, in the, in the nineties and all the brew house, all the brew kits were, were German. So when I, you know, when I, I started my brewery. Uh, we bought like a uh, we bought like a 1998 Kaspar Schultz, like a um, uh, old yeah used brew house. It's mm. one of the best brew houses in the world, actually. Yeah. So I don't. I mean, you don't strike me as the guy who I already know. You're not the guy who went there to get rich, but knowing that German people had gone there to consult, did you th see there was an opportunity to maybe bring a little bit more of the new style that wasn't there yet, and maybe make a name for yourself? Was that kind of the impetus? Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, before, even before I started my brewery, um, I already had my name made there. It's, it's very strange. Uh, you know, I did a, I did a couple of, of, uh, Dude Ciel, uh events, um, uh, 
In Japan. And, you know, we brought kegs there. Yeah, in Japan. Um, and, uh, you know, it was big success. And, and, you know, people start to know me more, you know, true. Well, because I was going every year, but also, okay, uh, you know, Jude had, had a lot of hype, even if, if the beer had never made it, uh, you know, in, in, in Japan, you know, as, um, you know, uh, coming from an importer. Uh, and so there's a lot of, you know, I think it's, it's weird, a little bit like what happened in Toronto, right? There's a little, quite a lot of uh, uh, hype, uh, hype and, and stuff. So um, when I opened my brewery, um, yeah, I already had a big fan club. It's it pretty funny. <laughs> and uh, Do they love uh, you for your beer or your bass playing, though? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, people were – were really exciting about me coming in because they knew I was, I was going to bring something totally new. So I, yeah. you know, I'm pretty sure I made one, probably the, the first like kettle sour, sour beer in Japan. And, you know, everybody had their, you know, they were waiting for it. Right. So uh, that was pretty interesting. Was that uh we talked about this when you first came to Toronto, because obviously it was kind of a poorly kept se- secret that you were looking for somewhere in Ontario. And I felt like there was, maybe expectations and we talked about that at the time but what about when you were in japan like was that like a pressure where you're like okay they already know me i've done these beer events they're expecting big things or was it like a good kind of pressure you know what i mean um yeah you know what i mean i've i've um i don't know it was it was, it was a good pressure uh for me uh you know i was so happy when i started brewing because i went through so much shit in japan uh, you know, it, it was like the, probably the most important years of my life, but the, uh, you know, emotionally and it was, it was the worst, you know, I, mm. you know, I always been a, a guy with a smile on his face and pretty happy and, and positive. And I, you know, I came this close to a nervous breakdown and I was crying all the time and I was laughing at myself, like crying and say, what the fuck is going on with you? You know? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was weird. So but, you know, when I started brewing, I was like, okay, I, I, I felt, you know, like uh, reviving, you know, like uh, coming back on, 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 on the planet. And uh, so I was so happy. And, and you know, I decided to, um, uh, you know, when I start brewing, it's, it's interesting because I already knew, I already decided that I was leaving my partners and it was already uh, set, you know, we we signed a contract and I said, okay, guys, I'm going to be here until this time. I'm going to make sure that I'm not going to leave you in, in, in trouble. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to train you people, but I look at my schedule. I say, okay, I have 18 beers. I have time to make 18 beers and, uh, and I'm going to make 18 different beers and just to, you know, as a gift to my, uh, you know, to, to my fan club kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I, I named the beer like 18 to go, 17 to go, 16. So it was a countdown. Nice. Um, and actually I was, I never had time to do the last to go. And I went to brew it, uh, last January with, uh, with my partners at the brewery there. Did you call uh, it one to go? Uh, yeah, we call it last, uh, last to go. Nice. Yeah. Six years left, five years later. So, <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, but during the time, you know, it's, uh, to actually answer your question, um, uh, I think, you know, I, about, you know, I could, I think I, I could have made quite some good money doing consulting in Japan. Right. You know, okay. Because, uh, you know, there's one thing about the Japanese, you know, I think, you know, pretty much everything they take from the Westerners, I think they, you know, they, they, they take it from you and they make it even better. Yeah. It's so many, so many things, but for, for beer, unfortunately, it's not the case at all. It doesn't and apply. It doesn't apply. It's, it's weird because there's not a lot, uh, there's not a lot of uh, documentation. You know, there's very old Japanese documentation on beer and that's what they rely on. And I, I found out that the best brewers in Japan are the one that speaks English and traveled around the world uh, and they come back with information and, and what I found out too, when I start uh, my brewery, that's okay. And when I start to n- know more brewers, it's okay. These guys don't share information at all. 
You know, it's very different <laughs> than here in North America. You know, us, we share, well, we used to share more and I don't know, but yeah, we still share a lot and that's how we improve and that's how our beer get better. But in Japan, they all, you know, it's a very old tradition, like the sake brewers, you know, they don't share information with any other sake breweries and, and the brewers, the beer brewers is the same thing. And so it's very tough for people to get better. So I think the craft beer was terrible and, and still like it's getting better, but I mean, it's not that great. It's interesting because it's come up on a lot of these podcast episodes, but the collaboration in Ontario and how it's made the beer scene better. There's an actual instance where there's a mm -hmm. lack of collaboration that has slowed down the growth of craft beer. So it does make sense. I mean, it makes sense in theory, but to hear in, in actuality that when people keep things to themselves, you don't improve the, you know, you have a bit of a monoculture. Yeah, totally. Um, so it sounds like you left Japan for personal reasons. I always thought it was that the, the beer thing didn't really work out or maybe you were misled about what you might be able to do there, but I guess that's not the case. Well, there's, you know, um, I don't know if you know this, you know, the, on every single can of Godspeed beer, it says made with struggle and love mm -hmm. in Toronto, Canada. You know, it's been, um, you know, even opening Godspeed has been, it's been a struggle, but like, yeah, like I said, you know, Japan's been a, uh, it's been a big slap in the face. You see all those, uh, those gray hair, you know, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. All, they, they all come from, from that, you know, there's been a, um, about like a 14 month time period where I had to leave Japan like four times, you know, because I, uh, you know, I was supposed to get my visa. I didn't have my visa and I was just on a tourist visa and start to start to plan the brewery and, and, uh, but you know, and, but I don't have a visa, so I cannot sign a lease. And at that time, you know, my, my girlfriend's parents were not accepting me yet. So, you know, and I was, I was in my suitcase for a year and a half, uh, you know, spending all my money in hotels and, and, uh, you know, living on my friend's couch for a couple of days and, and this and that. Um, so no, I mean, you know, I, you know, I'm a very passionate brewer. I was very passionate about Japan, but I was not a businessman, you know, and, I went there just, you know, with with an open heart and trusting a lot uh, people and and you know obviously I got my uh, I, I got my share to blame but uh, you know I've yeah I, anyways all this said I learned a lot and and um, and uh, you know I turned forty and. Uh, and I said, you know, my 20s were amazing. My 30s were amazing. I want my 40s to be amazing. And, um, and you know, my partners, my two partners, Japanese partners, uh, it looked like, you know, they, they were saying yes, 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 yes. But I found out that they were not sharing my vision at all. Mm. And I said, guys, you know, it's like life's too short to, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like being miserable. And, and I have an idea and, and I want to stick to it. And it's not with you guys. So, so, you know, it's it, now the question was, what do I do? Uh, because I could have opened something else in Japan with, with people that I connected more with, uh, or I come back and this is a, is, it was a decision uh, that taken with me and my wife, you know, it's like, it, it was a 50, 50 thing. I say, if do you want to come back, to Canada because she spent we spent four years together here so she knew about she didn't we didn't know nothing about Toronto but you know we lived in Montreal for four years together and she says yeah let's let's go back you know and if we want to build a family I mean it's I feel like the quality of life you know Japan is great but the quality of life is probably a little bit easier here and definitely way easier to run a brewery here than in Japan mm, yeah so we decided to come back and uh, you know so we uh you know, we hit the plane with a six suitcase and three days at the hotel and that's it. Let's start from scratch. Nice. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So, well, that, I think that's kind of where that brings us up to the point where you and I first met. I think that explains the headspace you were at. Uh, we met having beers at Bellwoods and we talked about how you were looking for space, but you were, it was really clear you needed to make sure that your partners were in it for all the right reasons and you were in no rush to find someone who was not yeah exactly <laughs> yeah well i i learned i learned from uh i i learned the hard way you know in japan so i said okay i'm coming here and 
you know, I don't want to be the, you know, the little bitch, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do things my way. And, you know, I want to do something that represents who I am. And, uh, you know, it's very important for me and, uh, and yeah, so it's, uh, but Toronto, you know, everybody asked me why Toronto, <laughs> I don't know if it was one of your question, but no, I don't, um, I love Toronto. I lived there for 10 years, man. I just couldn't afford it anymore with a kid. <laughs> yeah. Right. man. yeah. Tell me about it. Uh, but yeah, Toronto is because, you know, at the beginning I was supposed to open Godspeed with Ralph Morana. I don't know if you knew that. But, yes, I did. Um, so, you know, I, even when I was in Japan, back in Japan, I, uh, on the last year, I did a couple of trips here and I start looking for space with Ralph and, um, and, uh, you know, for some reason it did not happen. I mean, me and Ralph are still the best, the best friends ever, you know, it didn't change nothing, but, uh, it just didn't happen for X and X reasons. And I said, okay, I, well, I'm here. I might as well do it here. Uh, but I could have chosen another, an, another city, but, I also thought like Toronto, you know, um, you know, one of the biggest city in North America and there's nothing, I mean, back in 2014, there's almost, you know, Bellwoods were still in Indiana house, still little babies, you know, you had granite, you didn't have much. And I said, what is wrong with this city? You know, I was like, so, uh, and we were talking about it way before I went to Japan. Actually, I remember, uh, sitting, I think at La Porchetta or something like that. I was sitting with, with Thomas and, and, I was basically putting an offer on the table. I think that was 2011. Uh, and I said, you know, if, if these guys would have said yes, well, maybe my, my whole Japan uh, journey would not have happened. Hmm. Uh, but they were not, you know, uh, they were not ready, I guess, for it. And they were not for it. So, you know, I said, all right, that's cool. I'm going to Japan anyways. Uh, and uh, yeah, so. I remember yeah, you, had so, a few, you had a few uh, potential partners. Like it was almost like people were ready to throw money at you, but you, they didn't really pass the, you know, the BIM sniff test. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, yeah. After all, well, the, the biggest surprise of my life is my brother. You know, it's like, a, I have an older brother and, uh, you know, he started, uh, he, he works, he's like, uh, work for wealth, wealth management, I guess he works with big wallets, you know, that yeah, yeah. money thing. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you know, he, he made a bit of money in his, in his, you know, in the last five years. And he started asking me a lot of questions about my business. And I say, well, well what are you talking about? You know, it's like, <laughs> are you telling me you want to invest money in my, in, in the business? And he says, well, so started like that, actually, my, my first potential uh, partner is my brother. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and after that, I mean, you know, I don't think it's 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 not a secret. The, the guys from Tudes Diab, you know, they, uh, you know, good friend with Andre, and uh, we were we were going uh, we were on our way to driving to uh, to Niagara to do. Uh, we were doing a uh, seminar on on uh, barrel age beer, me, Andre and Luke uh, from Bellwood. Mm -hmm. uh, we had the uh, OCB, I think, or yeah, I think so. And anyways, Andre, I go pick him up at the airport and we're driving, we go see vineyards in, in Niagara and, uh, and he started asking me questions about my, my brewery and uh, my business. And, and I tell him and he say, you know what, I'm, I'd be willing to, uh, to invest personally. I say, oh, awesome. It's cool. Uh, I like that. <laughs> all my uh, all my investors are are living seven hours away. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so and he says, you know, if you want, I have a meeting with the guys at the at the brewery on Monday, and I could I can talk about it and see what they say. And he he replied to me in the afternoon, said we're all in. So and I said, okay, well, fine, but I don't want this to be a tout diable investment uh, because you know I had kind of heard between the the lines that they were, you know, they were maybe looking into uh, selling. Sell, yeah. So, and I, so, yeah. So anyways. I guess say, you're uh, right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I didn't want it. I didn't, I'm, it, when through the job sold, I mean, uh, my, my phone did not stop ringing that day. Like everybody thought that Godspeed was, was in the hand of Molson. I was like, not at all. I mean, it has nothing to do with it. So, uh, so yeah. 
so you know that those are my partners and i have another another guy a super nice guy silent you know he's quiet in his in his corner there and yeah, yeah. Just put, it just put money but that's it and me so, i remember uh you were into leslieville a lot that was kind of like where you're looking when you first came right yeah yeah back in the days when everybody was telling me why leslieville this is so far east yeah it's all <laughs> and relative it's, and now it's all it's pretty much well i remember the last time i came to toronto i think the last time i had a beer with you we were hanging out with somebody who lives on the west end and like oh i never get to godspeed it's so far yeah I'm like it's I, the same fucking city i was so mad i'm like i live two hours away you have no idea how easy it is to get from one great brewer to another you know this kills me when people tell me that and you know that was a such a shocking thing for me to you know see how this city is so divided i mean you guys are crazy you know the <laughs> east of uh, some says the dvp some says it's young street you know and I, I mean i live in japan for like you know overall like five years and for me traveling an hour an hour and a half in in public transport every day it's a normal thing and it's a normal thing for japanese and i say you guys are kind of mumbling for like 30 minutes of streetcar come on <laughs> seriously <laughs> yeah but i remember when this space happened something yeah. else there was a brewery that was supposed to go in there but it fell through right yep so it was supposed to be um sweet grass oh is that what it was so, yeah yeah but well see yeah and um so it, it it's uh, it sucks because my I really feel for my real estate guy because you know I visit about seventy five spaces and uh, you know like for quite a few months and this guy like really you know he really wants to find me to this place and um, and uh, one day I was I was brewing at uh, Amsterdam at the brew house with Ian we were making a, the beer for uh, um, uh, Rob, uh, you know, bar hop Rob, yeah. uh, for his uh, wedding. So we did, uh, we did a beer for his wedding, me and Ian and, uh, Matt Bod was there and he says, uh, you know, uh, thank you. I, I know uh, somebody, yeah, he's, he's like a real estate guy. He knows that, that, uh, you're looking for space. So I don't know. He wants to talk to you or something like that. So I said, I've connect with the guy and he says, yeah, I got a place, you know, it's ready to go. You know, it's like, you just put your brows there ready to go. I say, yeah, after a million dollar of leasehold improvements, you're a little schmuck. But anyways, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I uh, so, so okay, what's the deal? So he says, yeah, it was supposed to be these people. It was supposed to be these people called, you know, sweet grass and blah, blah, blah. So, okay, well, um, I want to, uh, call these people because i want to make sure i don't step on anybody's territory oh. so uh, i call uh, um uh nathan uh they own the old, old, old spot on Danforth. Yep. Yep. so uh, i've i had their phone number and i had a meeting with them and they ended up like being amazing lovely people and uh and they say no man it's all yours and they helped me a lot because they already went to the city and you know apply for that uh what is it uh, you know, before like the zoning zoning amendments. Yeah. So yeah, so I kind of added a little bit of an idea what I was getting into. So they were very helpful to me, and um, yeah, that was amazing. So nice. uh, so I met the landlords. You know, for me, my what I wanted is, you know, I said okay, uh, my criteria was that uh, were uh, five thousand square feet minimum. I want ceilings at least fifteen feet high. I want a open space. Uh, where I can easily, uh, you know, like design my, my, my own space. And I want a decent rent with great landlords. And man, that, that's really hard to find. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I, order. and I found it, you know, like people said, Oh, you know, it took a long time to, to start Godspeed. It didn't take a long time to start Godspeed. It took a long time to get to sign a lease. Uh, you know, it was almost a year and a half, but uh, after that construction, we start construction in December, 2016 and there was a lot of construction here we have to rip everything apart like floors uh, ceilings walls facade like everything and uh, i was open on i was open in july 2017 and i was brewing in april uh, may uh, may 17 so it didn't it took about six months hmm. yeah it was pretty yeah. quick oh hey ben Hey, Chris, what's up? Well, uh, I know Indie Ale House is uh, in Toronto as a sponsor of this show. Yeah, yeah, that's right. 
And you say they're in Toronto, right? You said that. Yep, that's true. I did say that, didn't I? So you always talk about having food and beer under the same roof. And uh, you talked about their patio, but we're entering the winter months, so... Uh, I see where you're going with this, Chris. It's just, with Toronto on lockdown now, how do people support our sponsor, Indy? Well, Chris, I'm glad you asked, because they are still offering Ontario-wide delivery service from their online bottle shop. Uh, all you need to do is select what you want to order and check it out. Uh, your beer will be delivered within a few business days through ICS, and obviously they're still doing local delivery and uh, food takeout. And then you can uh, you can also pick up beer to go at their Eadley location on the second floor. And as always, Instigator IPA is in the LCBO. Awesome. Sounds like a lot of options uh, to get that Indie Alehouse beer that we love so much. Yeah, you're kind of an idiot for asking, actually. Well, I was glad that I asked until you called me an idiot. Oh, I gotta go. See you later. Um, you went from... Yeah, it's pretty quick. Working in a working in a brew pub to making beer at a brew pub. So then obviously in Japan, you're in a production facility. And I remember when you first came back, you're like, I want to do a brew pub. It has to be a brew pub. I did production. I need the brew pub environment. Has that changed? Are you like, fuck, I wish I hadn't done food now? Um, you know what? I, yeah, I really like the Godspeed concept. I think it's, it's fun. And, you know, I'm very lucky. I have the most amazing chef, you know, he's still with me. He's with me since minus year one, you know, um, <laughs> and he's been very loyal and very dedicated. So, and I have nothing to take. The only thing I have to do with the kitchen is sign like three checks at the end of the month for the suppliers and that's it, you know, so nice. I'm very, I'm very grateful. Um, but um, the the front of the house, like the pub thing, you know, like right now, I mean, I think I probably have one of the biggest office in Toronto. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm enjoying I'm enjoying right now because you know I, I'm the I'm the type of you know I brew, you know I've been brewing every single batch of beer of Godspeed beer since day one, uh, no compromise. You know I, you know I. I I stick my nose in everything, you know, I, I, I just started to delegate not long ago. I say, you know, if I don't start delegating, I'm just going to die of a cancer. Like, uh, you know, so, uh, soon, <laughs> soon enough, well, I'll knock on wood here, but, um, you know, like the, 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 the front of the house was a big stress on me. It's a big stress on me because I don't have a front of house manager. And mm. I mean, that's my problem, but at the same time, you know, we went through COVID and, um, you know, I'm not saying that uh, I'm, I'm the best like a uh, business model and stuff, but I've, I, I run, I run my business uh, in a very safe way. You know, I, I kept, I kept a good cushion and, uh, you know, like I try, you know, if I had a, you know, I, I see breweries that's my size of production, you know, they will have two, three employees in the brewery and I had me and another guy. And now I've been alone for nine months and, you know, people have like so many people like a manager, you know, assistant manager, all of that. So I said, how can they survive? You know, it's yeah. crazy. So for me, and one thing that really saved me from the, you know, the uh, it's, it's that, I guess, you know, I like payroll is, is low, but, but at the same time, I put all that pressure on my shoulders, which I think I'm stupid, but probably will have to, to change, you know, uh, especially now that I'm, a, you know, I have a son and, you know, I have a family to take care of. And So you're doing uh, okay in COVID times? Yeah, we're doing okay. Um, you know, it was very stressful at the beginning, obviously, when nobody knew what was going on. But, you know, I, I, thought, I thought I was smart. I thought I was, you know... I, I was operating my, my business, like the, you know, the a safe way saying that, you know, I got my retail store, I got my brew pub, I got my licensee sales in Ontario. I got a bit of national sales. I got international sales. Uh, but when COVID hit, I mean, it just shrank to retail. Right. And I didn't even have an online store on when we just, when we close on March 16th. And uh, believe me, we we found out very fast how to. How Everybody to do did. That. That's yeah, a great right? thing. So, a great thing for consumers, unfortunately, for brewers. Yeah. 
Yes, I remember March 19th, you know, I did the first test. I bought a can of beer at, on my online store, see if everything was working and said it's working. And man, thank God I did it. Thank God nice. I, didn't wait, I didn't wait too long because that's really what saved us. Yeah. Yeah. And you said licensee sales. You were in the news because you got stiffed by a licensee recently. I mean, you got yeah. stiffed with a big tab. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, they, they were not owning us that much. I mean, Drake owes me way much more money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If Drake listened to this, I mean, uh, everybody. Wait, Drake that, the rapper or the yeah, Drake? Yeah, Drake you know, owes you money? Drake, Drake the rapper. I mean, it's. Well, how does Drake owe you money? Well, his pick six place that he opened on, on Young. I mean, he owes money not just to me, to a lot of people. And uh, so if Drake, if you're listening to this, you know, <laughs> he's always listening. This is a big drizzle. You know, everybody says you're a gentleman, but if you're really one, you know, come here with a blank check and, uh, you know, give me my money. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. How much money does Drake owe you? Let's get into specifics here. Yeah, a few, a few grand, but you know, he, he, he owe way more money to some of my good friend breweries not too far from here. So, oh, wow. um, yeah. Um, yeah, we lost, we lost quite a bit uh, from uh, COVID. You know, obviously a few places closing and, uh, you know, still people can say like, man, sorry, we cannot pay you. Um, but that's, 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 how, that's how it goes, right? Yeah. 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 Do, you, um, yeah. do you still rock climb? Mm. <laughs> no, unfortunately. I really want to, though, because my son is a little climber he likes to climb everywhere so i think you know when i when i'm gonna touch the rock again it's gonna be with him nice but i'm not but i'm not gonna go crazy like i did before you know i honestly i i, I stopped climbing because you know i i almost lost my life like a few times really climbing. i came i came very close yeah and you know you're at a point where you know you push your limits and and i was doing a lot of um big walls you know and the natural like uh climbing and i did i did some pretty big whips and uh, and falls and yeah and uh you know what i came to a point where you know the last time i was in thailand that's you know 2003 just before going to japan is the last time i rock climb i think um i've you know when you feel things you feel things you know and i said okay i think this is my last climb or for a while Mm. So I had a bunch of uh, Thai friends, like climbers, and I, and I gave them all my climbing gear. So here you go, guys, present. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, I just move on with my life, doing other well, stuff. If you ever make it to London and you want to get back into climbing, the, my, local, my most local brewery, Anderson, actually shares a wall with a climbing club in the same building. So it's not uncommon for people to drop their kids for a climb and then go for a pint. So. Uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would totally climb again but yeah but uh i would do like top rope it says you know so with with the you know you're already anchored at at the top you know yeah, so if yeah. you fall if you fall you just fall uh, you know a few inches just like the elasticity of the of the rope kind of yeah, thing yeah yeah so but i would you're not, not free go climbing like tom movie. cruise and uh, mission impossible oh uh, yeah right. no no <laughs> <laughs> not anymore anyways not anymore yeah. do you still play bass no I feel like there's a common thread. I feel like I could put together a band with the people that have been on this show because everyone seems to have a side thing doing music. Yeah, you know what? I mean, uh, since COVID started, I, I brought my amp here and I brought, you know, I brought my bass, my guitar, and I start playing a little bit. And um, The kitchen was, must love uh, it. Uh, well, you know, I do in the morning when, and, uh, <laughs> when I, sometime I, sometime I come in, you know, I, come start brewing at four or 5 a.m. and I start my mash and I'll, I'll play a, be a few riffs, you know, like very hard. I'm alone in the brewery. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and after that, the sun is rising and it's beautiful in here. It's like, it's my meditation. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, I was playing a little bit with, um, uh, with, uh, I call him Metal Jeff. He, um, he works, he's the, he's the head brewer now at the new Collective Arts and, um, uh, downtown. And uh, you know, he's a metal head and, uh, and I, I was really into metal too. So, but yeah, we're, anyways, we were, we were jamming maybe once or twice a month at some point. Really get into Czech style beers. Well, it, it all started about 10 years ago. Well, you know, in, in at Judiciel, we were doing a, we were doing like a, a Bohemian pills, but it's not, it was not really, you know, we're, 
we're more into the German stuff, but, uh, but anyways, about 10 years ago, I went to, um, I went to Pilsner Kell and, uh, you know, that was a revelation. You probably heard the story. I don't know if you've been there, but you probably heard the no. story about, uh, doing the tour at Pilsner Kell. And, uh, at the end of the tour, they bring you to the, to the old cellars and they pour you that unfiltered Pilsner Kell that will, blow your mind and uh which did blow my blew my mind and i've recorded that taste i mean until today you know i remember it and actually in fermenter number two right in front of me i've recreated an old like a uh, pilsner kell like unfiltered i can't i'm canning it next week it's going to be released at the end of the week um so you know i, I was just like wow just mind blown and um so after that uh it it continued um a couple of years later uh GCL, we were invited at uh the wireman uh monsters in in bamberg in germany mm-hmm. and um they were working on a project of uh trying to um you know redo like the first one of the first Pilsner ever made, like blah, blah, blah. And um, it was a, it was a project with, uh, uh, with uh, like Czech maltsters involved in the, and they were testing for the first time, something that's called the uh, Bohemian Flora malted uh, from Weirman, very famous malt now. And that malt is hundred percent Czech malt, uh, floor malted in Czech Republic, but it's, it's branded German, German, German mm. maltsters. Uh, so we were invited to uh, to brew that beer. Uh, so you know, I was, you know, my my curiosity for Czech beers uh, was even, you know, um, getting getting stronger. Waiting for a, a kind of an opening, and but what really made it happen is uh, I was selected to go to Czech Republic two years ago with uh, with the Czech government. So. I spent a full a full week uh, with the Czech uh, government in Czech Republic, visiting breweries and you know like visiting like uh, historical sites and maltsters and uh, and hop farms and and brew house manufacturers like name it. And uh, Milo, like, what was the idea? Like, um, just, it, like, we're going to bring in some brewers to show off Czech beer, or is that? Uh, no, it's a, it's it's a trade mission. Okay. So. Uh, they want so the thing the thing that happened is uh, Milos all, tricked someone is what happened. It sounds like Milos. yeah. Well, well Milo, Milos was there with us. Of course I mean, he I, was. I, I was there with me. It's funny because he told me like I think it's three days, four days before we we jump on the plane. Says, Can I come? And I said, Well, um, you know, I'm gonna link you with uh, Peter. Peter, that's um, he's at the um, he's at the um, Czech embassy in in Washington D.C. And I says, Well email him and if you want he says i'm gonna pay my my own things and i just want to come with you i said sure <laughs> and uh, and he, he jumped in the plane you know he's miloš uh, oh man i love miloš uh but uh, anyways yeah there was michael michael hancock there too uh, matt tweedy so i mean we were i mean me me tweedy Han- michael hancock and miloš we we flew to prague uh, five days before and we we rented a car and we went to bamberg and uh we went to see the the Zoigl, We went to the Zoigl breweries and uh, just on the on the border of the Czech Republic and Germany. We had a blast. It was amazing. Nice. Um, but yeah, so it was a trade mission. So what happened is like on the first day, you know, we all meet at the at, you know at the it almost feel like the uh, the parliament or something. And there's all these tradespeople like maltsters, hop farms, like manufacturers, brewers, manufacturers, and stuff and they all meet us and you know i think that the goal was to you know they try to push uh check you know uh check cells outside of czech republic right obviously you know czech republic uh, you know they're the 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 biggest consumers of beer but it's i mean beer uh beer consumption is really in in decline declining in in the czech republic so the exports are are bigger and i guess they need to you know, get outside of the country a little bit. So that was the goal. And I felt a little bad for me being there because I say, I have nothing to buy really. Mm-hmm. But, but I told the guys, I told the, the government, I say, believe me, there is one thing I will do for you. I will go back home and I will be an ambassador 
uh, of of the Czech Republic and the Czech style beers because it's been you know it it's been incubate, incubating in myself for so many years and you know what now it's the time and you'll see when it's the time it's the time so yeah, yeah. i came back here i didn't waste i didn't waste any time and i started to make the czech styles beer well and, didn't it, that that idea kind of backfired on them because don't you sell your beer into the czech republic now well, so the yeah, opposite I, is true they started buying yeah. your shit i mean if there's one thing that i never thought would happen in my existence is sending my czech style beers in czech republic <laughs> and you know what it definitely happened. should be so, a point of pride that they're willing to buy you know, your canadian it, guys czech beer it, it just happened so now you know i'm ready to die i can die <laughs> 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 yeah yeah amazing. that's crazy that's crazy yeah it's, it's just amazing you know and czech czech republic being there and hooking up with the people you know it did kind of like very similar feeling than japan did to me so it's mm. very uh it's very uh profound and uh and i have a great uh great relationship you know with uh with with the czech consulate here you know they they come here almost every week and we hang out and uh and uh, yeah it's amazing and i'm going back to czech republic as soon as covid is done i got got a few a uh, few project going on there You'll maybe see maybe if Milos time. comes, I'll tag along too. I'll hide in Milos's suitcase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you don't. Uh, I mean, you've explained the impetus for some of your beer creations, and it doesn't strike me as you're someone who chases a trend. Like you're making rout beer. I, yeah. I don't even. I don't like smoke beer. I'll tell you, but that's a common. <laughs> that's a common opinion. But when you opened in 2018, like half your lo- half your lineup was loggers. I remember. And now, I mean, even then, yes, they were trending, but loggers are definitely trending in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Do you pay attention to trends, do you think? Or are you just kind of like, mm-hmm. I brew what I feel like making and uh, if people I, don't like it? I never paid attention to trends. Like, honestly, never. And this is, um, you know, this is true what I say. I don't look at what other people do. You know, it's, uh, and I never do. And uh, uh, I will look more at what price the this brewery and this brewery sell at uh, their beer at their at their retail but uh not what they brew um and i always been like that and you know this is part of me since i start brewing and at dude seal the same thing you know the guys at dude seal i mean they're they're not into trends at all so mm-hmm. you know i just follow that uh that uh that energy that philosophy uh now i brew you know, I, I told, I, I made it clear to my investors, uh, partners, I said, you know, you're into this or not, you know, it's like, you need to understand that I'm going to brew what I want to brew and it works, it works, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know, and I'd rather failing doing what I love doing than, than the opposite. So, uh that was very clear so and so your uh, investors aren't calling you up and saying it's time to make a high hazy ipa <laughs> you know what man i have the best the best investors partners in the world you know they leave me alone uh you know they see the numbers uh you know a couple of times a year and and that's it and they're super proud of of what i do and and uh, and that, that's it i'm very uh, i'm very grateful that nice. i you know i can do that um but yeah no i don't to, honestly i don't i don't follow the trends you know I, i'm i have a line of a few az ipas right now they're not really easy but it's it's just a story um it it's with my my relationship with the hill farmstead you know because i brewed i brewed six collaboration beers with with hill farmstead uh, throughout the years and uh it's kind of a it's kind of a story i'm kind of revisiting some stuff and and put it put in the tank right now so i got another one number the number two that's coming next week and uh but yeah no apart from that you know i do my smoke beers my lagers and <laughs> you know and my japanese line of beer and and uh and hopefully uh, i have enough people to support me so i can stay alive so if you're not paying attention to what other people are doing when you're not drinking your own beer whose beer do you drink what are you into Oof. um what am i to, you know to be honest with you not a, not much these days because i'm 
I don't go out. You know, I spend quite a bit of time with Matt Tweedy uh, recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I drink some of his beers because, you know, we see each other, we exchange beers. Um, you know, I've... I, Those I are see, good beers to drink. Yeah. You know, I see Ian sometimes, you know, Ian McAustra, good good friend of mine. So I'll, you know, we'll we'll exchange beers and stuff. So I had some Amsterdam. I had some... And there's always some brewers that will drop some beers here and I you know I crack a few but uh some breweries that I never heard of and you know or yeah these Great Lakes came in the other day so they they left me a 2-4 so you know cracking uh nice that uh six what is it six six devil uh pale ale yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, devil's pale ale yeah I I had a I had a beer with Mary Beth too she came here the other day so she brought me uh so you just drink whatever people yeah. bring you. It sounds like. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I've you know, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm curious about everything. I'll I'll drink I'll drink I'll give a shot at everything. Uh, you know, it's like I'm not I'm not a I'm not a beer snob anymore. Maybe I was 20 years ago, but right, not, not anymore. <laughs> so what's been um, but what's been the biggest surprise? Um, biggest surprise. Uh, I. I w- I was not, I don't know. I was not expecting it growing that fast, I guess. I don't know if it's the, the best answer I can say. Uh, but um, yeah, I thought like, you know, when I first arrived in 215 here, I mean, there's not much and you look at it now, it's like, oh my God. But I guess it's everywhere the same, right? Yeah. Um, um, but uh, I don't think I'm the only one saying this, uh, too, but I mean, the beer, the beer in Ontario is pretty good now, I think, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, they didn't have the rip, you know, I remember when I was in Quebec, you know, Quebec had the reputation to, to have it all, you know, to, to brew the best beer and, you know, to be the most exciting, exciting. And, uh, I think Ontario is, is probably surpassed Quebec now, if not, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd agree. So what's, uh, what's next for you? I mean, you seem pretty content with the brew pub. Will we ever see, you know, a monster Godspeed production facility and you guys are churning things out in the LCBO? Um, You're already shaking your head when I started this question. No, no. Well, you know, the, uh, going back to the, uh, the, at the beginning, the startup, sorry, I'm opening an, another beer here. It's okay. Uh, if I had one close by, I'd do the same. <laughs> um, yeah. When I, I told my investors at the beginning, you see those four, they came here. So you see those four walls. This is where it's happening. It's not going out. It's not going outside of it. Uh, I mean, for production wise, you know, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to name it any, any names, but uh, I know a lot of people that have like more than one production, uh, more than one space. And I feel like, uh, you know, I don't think their life has became better. Uh, you know it's just more problems more stress and you know i said i don't want that you know i'm i'm 40 now i'm i'm in my 40s you know i'm 46 now and i want to have a good you know i want to have a a good life and and you know i i know what i need you know i never been i never been a rich guy i don't i don't intend on being a becoming a rich guy so you know, I, the numbers works right now, you know, I'm at, I'm at about 2000 hex, you know, I'm having three new tanks coming in at some point in the spring and you know, that might be it. And I don't even know if the production is going to get bigger. I might just brew more lagers and I will maybe mature my beer, uh, you know, that extra week or two that I, that I would want to, but you know, it's like sometime I, you know, I have no choice. I need to, it's not, it's not a terrible compromise, but instead of sometimes laggering seven, eight weeks, I'll lagger five, six weeks. And I know that my beer will taste better in two weeks kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, uh, I see myself on my brewery platform doing what I do and making my beer and scrubbing my drains. You know, that's, that's what I do, man. That's what I love. And, uh, and you know, I've, I've been having the time. I've been brewing for 30 years, man, since I started my first home brew and, and I'm having the best time of my life brewing right now. And I've been alone in my brewery for nine months and I'm fucking loving it. <laughs> yeah. I'm loving it, man. I'm, you know, it's, it's so, it's so nice and peaceful and I, I go at my own pace and you know, it's, it's just great. It's just great. Well, I'm sure that's reflected in your beer. You know, when you're enjoying what you're doing that much, it's gotta be, 
coming out in the end product. It usually is the case. You know, it's all about, it's all about it, man. It's all about the beer for me. You know, I take a lot of pride in what I do and, and uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's not about the advertising and marketing and stuff. And, you know, I want to make the best beer that I can possibly make. And I want to have kind of, nice nice labels too you know i, I like i like the, that part yeah. and um <laughs> i like the presentation of my of my beers um and uh and yeah and uh, we started lcbo actually i don't know if you, you you heard about it no i didn't uh, know that actually uh you asked me yeah 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 you know what i mean i i was sure that you were going to ask me the question so um, no okay so well we started maybe a month ago and okay uh, with, with our yuzu saison Oh, I did know that. I'm sorry. Yep, yeah, you're right. I did you know, hear that. You know what? And uh, it was, I was almost saying, you know, well, take COVID out. Probably I would not be at the LCBO mm-hmm. um, because I, 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 I hear myself saying, so I'm going to be at the LCBO the day that I'm desperate. <laughs> you know? right. And, uh, but COVID came and, you know, talking to a lot of my friends, brewers, uh, you know, uh, brewery owners in Ontario that are at LCBO, it seemed like a very big relief. You know, we're still pumping beer, you know, and it's LCBO's there and LCBO are, you know, having lineups and stuff. And it made me think, you know, it's like, you know what, you know, I, I have a family to take care of. I have 21 employees to take care of. And, you know, if, if I can have a little bit more security, you know, with that, but same time we started it and we don't really promote it that much. You know, we're right now we're selling maybe a hundred cases a month or something like that. It's not a province, lot. Province wide or still pretty local. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we didn't, you know, I have, I have an employee that I gave him the project. He's really excited about it, but you know, we're not like, we're not trying to be in all the LCBO say, you know what, let's do like we do at Godspeed. Let's grow our business organically and and see where it leads us uh so and i don't want to be caught like you know having to brew only yuzu too right so right <laughs> so you know we kind of keep it quiet and once in a while you know it's like boom we're in the listing now and say boom we, there's a new order popping from from this this you know uh lcbo with north bay and whatever so hmm. yeah it just grows organically see how see how it goes do you think you'll keep i mean it's tough to say but do you think you'll keep lcbo sales going and more importantly to li- online sales going post oh, totally oh yeah oh yeah i mean online uh, i keep that and you know what there there's been so much um thank you first uh, of all keep yeah. the online sales going <laughs> well you know time, toronto thanks you <laughs> well people are really happy and yeah we've been having so much like support and people say thank you so much for doing this because like you said you know there's a lot of western we're very popular on the west uh, on the west side uh, because for all these people that don't want to make the trip to Godspeed, right? So now they can have the beer at their at their door, and they're very grateful. So I definitely continue the uh, will continue the online. Um, but now you know we don't even have a we don't have, even have a company car. You know I'm renting a car, and you know everybody's like we're killing like three birds with one stone now. You know my employees, you know like my Edmin guys doing some deliveries, doing a bit of retail, doing a little bit of this, helping on the packaging line. You know so, so um, but we'll have to organize it a little bit better. But for now, it works. You know I it works, and I have like I have seven employees working right now for me, like almost full time. So uh, it's uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, we'll keep it because it's 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 good revenues. Good. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I, I prefer, sorry, I, I prefer keeping things local too. I, I see no, it, you know, local is always okay. best. I, I mean, I, yeah. I will sometimes splurge on an online order, but for the most part, I, I drink beer that I can get 10 minutes from my house. Cause that's yeah. always what's best. Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've said on my business plan, you know, I want to be this local neighborhood brew pump with, with an international reputation you know, because with all the contacts that I created. That sounded uh, like marketing, by the way, but I'm just going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's, you know, I made so many contacts, uh, you know, in, in, in my life with, you know, in the Jutsiel times. And, you know, I know, I know people in almost every continent and I say, 
it would be nice to sell a bit of beer, send a bit of beer there. And, you know, it justifies my, uh, my travel to, uh, you know, uh, paid, uh, paid by the company, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but the more I realize now, you know, right now I see like there's a there's a keg of my beer tapped in California and L.A. that, you know, it's like it's a saison. But when is last time I sent kegs to the United States? You know, it's kind of like, fuck. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of like turns me off and I it makes me think, you know, like, oh. Yeah, it's better to keep things here and and fresh and and local. Well, thanks for um, thanks for taking the time to talk to me tonight. I appreciate it. Oh man, my pleasure. Anytime. Good. And uh, and when and when this thing's over, come come for a beer. Man, if anything, it's made me realize I just can't wait to get back to uh, well Toronto, frankly, and <laughs> a couple local. First, I go to Milos. I'm going to spend a, a long time getting drunk at at Pub Milos, and then I'll book a Toronto trip. <laughs> yeah awesome well you're always welcome here thanks luke i hope, cool, man. I hope drake play, pays up and uh, we'll talk soon awesome cheers you do. bye 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 who in the hell do you actually think you are